Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 49 of The Revenge of Kang. This page concludes chapter 26, entitled Title Fight, which is a misnomer. There is a boxing match in this chapter. In fact, that's pretty much all that there is in this chapter. We're boxing in a dingy gym in Hell's Kitchen in New York City. It's going to be a scrappy feeling day, because here we are, the secret Zoomers, four modern, smart, sensitive Zoomers from a high school in 21st century Seattle, back in a rundown neighborhood gym in the 1960s in Hell's Kitchen in New York, preparing to lace up their gloves and square up against the grown man who beat the shit out of nine-year-old Matt Murdock just this morning. Why? It's complicated. We don't have all the details yet, but suffice it to say, we know that Kang is somehow trying to prevent Matt Murdock from growing up to be Daredevil. And it doesn't seem like it can be a coincidence that just earlier today, a very talented, unknown, and, I must stress, grown adult boxer at the gym beat down Matt until he decided, you know, maybe I'll be happier if I kind of cut this horrible violence out of my life, which is absolutely true, but we can't let him know that because we need Daredevil. So we need to get young Matt Murdock his confidence back, and I guess the way to do that is for him to see us beat up the guy who beat him up. When we go back with young Matt Murdock to the gym, we get the following box text, quote, Shortly after you enter the gym, a large young man carrying a black gym bag follows you inside. Judging from the look on Matt Murdock's face, this must be the new boxer. Anybody care to go a few rounds this afternoon? This, we discover, is Mike Franklin, a hardened young competitor, I'd say 28 years old, and that's also how long he's been smoking, thus his voice. The assumption of the chapter is that one of the heroes is going to step up to fight Mike Franklin. Uh, There are contingencies for groups of heroes where no one decides that it's a good idea to box. But in this case, I I think there's going to be a huddle. I think the secret Zoomers, being well-adjusted kids, but not so well-adjusted that they're going to turn down a... a boxing match to make a nine-year-old feel better through violence, they're going to have a talk, and Molten Core, being a skilled combatant, a keen strategist, and in possession of a penetrating intellect, is going to be able to reason out what the rules here for boxing indicate, and we'll get to that in a moment, which is that even though Extra and Molten Core are better fighters, Slime Time should do the boxing, because Slime Time is a lot stronger. Slime Time, real name Danny Lopez, is not an overly athletic person, Not temperamentally suited to violence, particularly, but he's built like his hockey player dad, who is built like Bluto from Popeye. The strength is going to make the difference here, so Slime Time, probably using his slime to disguise himself as an adult, is going to step up and accept Mike Franklin's challenge. Now, there's a whole minigame here, and probably the best thing would be not to talk about it at all, but I invested so much time in breaking this game down and running all the math and figuring it out, I'm at least going to repay myself for my own effort by explaining what this minigame is in case you want to, I don't know, run your own boxing match-based scenario in the face rip system. Which brings me to my first pro tip, uh, don't. Stop. This is not what this system is for, and it has significant shortcomings. Here's the way it works. We're going to have a match that is nine rounds long. Each round, both combatants secretly choose a maneuver which can be the standard combat maneuvers of evade, block, or it says here catch, although catches for like catching thrown objects or falling people. So I I think maybe the author didn't understand what catch was. 
But anyway, forget that. Basically, block or evade. Or one of a number of boxing-specific options presented here. We've got a haymaker, which is a punch where you get a bonus, but then your opponent gets a bigger bonus. A jab, high hook, body punch, uppercut, cover-up, duck-and-go, block-and-hook. Maybe give them some of the old this and that. The old Tom and Jerry, the old Mike and Ike. What? It's just a bunch of boxing shit. And then there's a clinch, too. There's a clinch. Then you roll initiative. Then once initiative has been rolled, both combatants reveal the move that they chose, and the moves have specific interactions with each other. On a very basic level, it kind of reminds me of the Street Fighter combat system that we talked about last season. But whereas that was a weirdly good fit for a core game engine that's supposed to be about dramatic storytelling, this is a weirdly bad fit as a subsystem for a core system that is fundamentally already about big fist fights. Anyway, you resolve each round, you mark down damage as usual, except that everybody does half damage because they're wearing boxing gloves, then you go on to the next round. There are nine rounds, and at the end of nine rounds, if nobody has knocked anybody else out, then whoever inflicted the most damage wins. Here are the basic tactical considerations. If you score a red result on your attack when you punch, then you can get a stun result, and then your opponent has to make an endurance check, and if they don't make a good endurance check, they'll be stunned, which is a KO. So you just win outright. If nobody scores a stun result, then it's going to come down to who inflicts more damage and who can sustain all the damage that they'll take over nine rounds, who can stay conscious. The other big consideration is a balance between offense and defense. You want to do more damage, sure, but there may be situations in which, assuming you have or expect to eventually have a lead on points, or you expect to score a knockout, you may need to protect yourself to avoid Mike Franklin scoring points or to avoid getting KO'd early. And then there are all these interactions between the different moves, like, just to give one example, quote, block and hook. This is a downward block followed by a high hook. The fighter receives a plus one column shift bonus to hit and is at minus one column shift to be hit if his opponent selected body punch or duck and go. So there are certain attacks that the block and hook is good against. And these column shifts to hit not only ensure your accuracy, but they also give you a higher chance to roll that red result that could potentially get you a knockout. Um, This minigame is fine. Uh, I think it's kind of a bummer to have yet another scene where only one player character gets to do anything. Although, as we'll see, that's not quite true. There, there are things for the other player characters to be doing during this fight, as long as they take some initiative. There's not really enough granularity to the hand-to-hand combat in this game. It's much more about bombast. It's much more about like the pyrotechnics of combat. It's about knocking people back into things, scoring these big punches to the jaw that knock out bank robbers, all the different kinds of attacks that can happen in a superhero fight. Your shooting, your laser guns, your fire, magic bolts, using telekinesis to throw people around. It's, it's varied. When you get down to just like two people fighting with fists, it really is just a contest of strength and accuracy, with strength being quite heavily favored, which is appropriate for comic books, but just doesn't lend itself to like tactically deep boxing. And this is exacerbated by the fact that there's there's kind of an oversight in the system. Outside of the narrow case where you've got a character who's doing more damage than Mike Franklin, but has significantly less health to the point that even if they're winning on points, they're going to get KO'd before the match is over, where you do have kind of an interplay between offense and defense. Assuming that both Franklin and the player character who's in the ring have enough health to make it nine rounds, pretty much whoever's doing more damage on an average basis is going to win, barring karma being spent, about which more in a moment. And whoever that is, whoever's stronger and doing more damage, they really should just be choosing duck and go. It gives a plus one to hit and a minus one column shift to your opponent when you use it against a hook or a block and hook. Nothing is strong against a duck and hook. That's the key thing. Like, there's nothing that gives an advantage. 
I mean, block and hook gives a plus one to hit somebody doing a duck and go, but a duck and go gives a minus one to hit to your opponent if they do the block and hook. So basically it cancels out. It's just like two people making a normal attack against each other in a a non-boxing superhero fight, which is what you want, right? As long as you can cancel any opportunity for your opponent to get bonuses against you, if you're the stronger one, then you're going to win because you're going to inflict more damage. So for all these like tactical options and this rock, paper, scissors type thing that the author has tried to set up, because there is no rock to the scissors that are duck and go, just just duck and punch them in the belly. That's turns out all you got to do. Pretty much the best advice in every situation, and I've been saying this for years, duck and punch them in the belly. You got a problem with somebody? Duck and punch them in the belly. And be stronger than them. That That would be my second big tip. And if the judge realizes this and fights tactically... Then if you're a weaker player character up against Mike Franklin, Mike Franklin is going to be doing duck and go. And again, there's really no winning option against duck and go. But I mean, in the author's defense, this is going to be a fun change of pace. And there is a little bit of illusionism at play here in the sense that I understand I'm not like most people. Most people don't have a daily podcast about this game. And most people will not have spent an unreasonable amount of time doing the math and breaking this down. And so they're not going to know immediately what the best tactical choices are. They're going to be interested in the set dressing of like a boxing match. This is different from a normal superhero fight. And by the time people catch on after a few rounds, oh, the best move is duck and punch him in the belly. We're already halfway or more through the boxing match. And there's only one and then we're done. So it's a fun diversion for what it is. So it's fine. This is one of those cases where it's my fault for thinking about it. The boxing minigame is not the dumbest thing on this page. The dumbest thing on this page is about the other part of the scene, which is figuring out what Mike Franklin's deal is. His stats, which are not available to the player characters per se, but will become obvious to them over the course of fighting him, are fighting remarkable, agility remarkable, strength excellent, endurance incredible, reason typical, intuition typical, psyche feeble. So, you know, he's no robot who it's okay to murder, like the ones that were helping Kang a couple chapters back. He's a, he's a normal, albeit somewhat dim-witted person, but his physical stats are fucking phenomenal. And in the case of his endurance, incredible is higher than people should be able to get without some kind of superhuman boost. So this is going to tip off the player characters. Something is up with Mike Franklin. Kang's got his purple fingers in the pie here somewhere. Now, our heroes don't know exactly what's up yet, but they're going to want to find out more about Mike so that they can figure out what Kang is up to and how to stop him. Quote, The PC who is boxing Franklin notices he is on some sort of boosting drug with a successful good intensity intuition feat roll. Given that this is the Marvel Universe, this is quite a deduction. Given that he could actually be anything from a mutant to an inhuman, to an android, to a half-Asgardian, to someone who has had even the merest brush with radiation in any context, it it could could be anything, but, but somehow our heroes know it's a, quote, boosting drug. So I don't think this is like, this guy can really punch. He must be on supervillain steroids. This is... Jesus, this guy is high as a fucking kite. And based on the way he punches, I'm going to guess he's high on supervillain steroids. I think that's the chain of deduction. You can also notice this if you're just watching the fight. If, for example, none of the heroes want to fight Mike Franklin and somebody else from the gym does, just one of the regular boxers, and then the heroes while they're watching can figure out this guy's on super drugs. So what do you do when an unnaturally tough and powerful newcomer to the boxing gym is suspected of being on supervillain steroids and has made his career debut by using the top of nine-year-old Matt Murdock's head as a speed bag. Well, you could talk to him. You could talk to him after the match, try to schmooze him, try to ask what's up, subtly bring up the topic of supervillain steroids in conversation. Quote, talking to Franklin after the bout. Win or lose, Franklin will refuse to discuss boxing after the bout and will not reveal the name of his trainer. It goes on to say he agreed not to talk about his supplier when he got the drugs. However, if our heroes are very cunning, 
and don't respect personal boundaries, they can get the truth by rummaging through Mike's gym bag during his boxing match. Quote, Mike Franklin leaves his gym bag on the floor next to the ring while fighting. Any PC who can pass a typical intensity agility feat roll can sneak a peek into the bag without being noticed. The bag contains only the usual boxing gear, but all of Mike's gear is labeled Tyler Management. That would be Tom Tyler. Uh, you will go on to find out Tom Tyler is the secret manager who secretly supplied Mike Franklin with supervillain steroids and said, now whatever you do, don't fucking tell nobody that Tom Tyler supplied you with, I don't care if they're shoving bamboo shoots up your fingernails, don't tell nobody that Tom Tyler gave you these supervillain steroids. Now here, I signed you, so you get the standard package, here's your Tom Tyler gym bag, here's your Tom Tyler water bottle, you take this Tom Tyler hat, Tom Tyler ring jacket, you put this, hitch. hey, put that jacket in your fucking Tom Tyler gym bag, I don't want nobody seeing that I'm sponsoring you, here, I got a couple more things for you, here's a, here's a signed autograph of me, keep this with you, but don't let nobody see it. And uh, I got a towel for your working out at the gym. It's monographed. Not your initials. It says TT. But then so nobody gets confused. It says on the bottom, I am not Tom Tyler. Tom Tyler is my manager. You can use this, but just be discreet. Now get out of here, you mook. But who is the mook? Who truly is the mook in this scenario? It's Tom Tyler. Tom Tyler is the dumbest thing in this page for swearing Mike Franklin to secrecy about these supervillain drugs and then stuffing his gym bag, but not just with one telltale item, quote, all of Mike's gear is labeled Tyler Management. So this is a real mystery we've got on our hands. But if Mike Franklin makes the mistake of using or allowing to be seen any item in his possession, then the secret's going to be out and the secret Zoomers will know what they have to do. Step one was to give Matt Murdock his confidence back, uh, which we have done, assuming that we beat Mike Franklin at boxing, which Slime Time ought to be able to do. Honestly, the way to win this and this is kind of the other problem with doing boxing in this system, a red result on a fighting roll gets you a knockout. And even with incredible endurance, Mike's odds of avoiding a KO in that scenario are actually relatively low. He might be able to stand up to one, but probably not to two stun results without just losing outright. So instead of doing a battle of attrition and having to spend karma anyway, probably to score the damage you want to score to win, the thing to do is just like the first time you get a decent roll, just buy it up to a KO. Slime time can do that. And he's got the health to make it enough rounds to do that, so he'll win. Once again, not really due to skill on the player's part or Slime Time's particular abilities as a character, but just as a function of spending karma. Assuming that's happened and Mike Franklin has been knocked out, Matt Murdock is going to have his confidence back. This nine-year-old is going to be right back on the path to violence. Our job here is done in that sense, but we've still got a Kang running around distributing supervillain steroids, apparently, so it's time to go handle that. And our first stop will be the offices of Tom Tyler. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Mega Dumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>